Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Role Models, Juicy Conversations with Beautiful Humans. I'm Jennifer Norman, founder of the Human Beauty Movement and your host. This podcast thrives on your support. So if you like what you hear, follow us, rate us, review us, and share this episode with everyone you know across your networks. Today, we're going to talk about special needs parenting. My guest is Rach Wilson, founder of Divine Relating and a relationship coach for couples with autistic and or special needs kids. Rach is a mom of four. Her two youngest are both autistic and nonverbal with diet limitations and sensory challenges. Rach's own life experience has inspired her to focus on supporting couples who have the highest breakup rate, couples with special needs kids. Welcome, Rach. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I am delighted. Oh boy. Now I am your target client. <laughs> I am a single mom of a special needs child, and I went through an icky divorce after my son turned 10. So I would love to know what made you decide to focus on couples with special needs kids? Well, I've got two, as you've said, two youngest both got high needs, special needs challenges, and we went through what we have affectionately called hell year. Hell year. We both of them had the most challenges all at the same time. And there was extreme sleep deprivation because my son was having these excruciating pain episodes multiple times during the night and then also during the day. And we found for him the easiest and best thing was to drive him because it's the car was a sensory environment. So that helped to soothe the emotional pain and it allowed us to see what physical pain when it stopped. And at nighttime, it also meant that the rest of the household could sleep because sometimes once he was awake, he was awake for hours. So when he's awake, I can't sleep. So for 12 months, my husband and I did different shifts. He did the usually the early shift, which would last anywhere up till 3 a.m., but he might be tapping at 11. Our rule was when the second coffee gives out, you have to tap the other person in. So we were both living on multiple coffees of nighttime. We were both basically not sleeping next to each other. We were in massive survival mode, and that doesn't even cover the level of survival we were in. Mm -hmm. And then our youngest, who was only one to two at the time, was having these massive, like, epic meltdowns and rages to the point of, like, really hurting herself and going at me. If I touched her, like, compulsed sensory meltdown, she would then go at me, try to gouge my eyes out, rip my earrings out, scratch me, bite me, and I've got scars from some of the scratches that I wasn't able to miss. And the emotional toll that that has when you've got a child that's just so angry and so upset mm. and you're the you're being battered and bruised by your kids but you can't be mad at them you know the the ongoing ptsd from that is like we all know it's intense so for 12 months if i wasn't under my baby trying to help her through a rage i was driving my son around trying to soothe his pain and then in between trying to be a wife trying to hold a household together trying to take them to all of their appointments and try and see another doctor to try and find out what was wrong with my son like the, the mental load, the physical load, the emotional load was ridiculously epic. Mm. And my husband and I, we've been together, it'll be 22 years in December this year. And going into Hell Year, we've had the a strong relationship our entire life together. We've got a lot of people that look to us for how a healthy relationship works. And so going into Hell Year, we already had a really solid foundation. Mm. And even during that, we both ended up feeling so alone. We were struggling massively as individuals and as a couple feeling like neither one of us was you know meeting the other person's needs but 
also not having anything in our tank to give the other person. There was a lot of, you know, deeper level conversations or blow ups for us that we had to kind of navigate on top of the load of Groundhog Day that we were living. And I knew all the way through that there was a, a greater purpose. And I just had to trust that, you know, we were going through this hell for, for some reason. And here we are 18 months on from hell year. It took a good, probably at least 12 months for me to start to feel somewhat human because recovery from burnout, realistically, like we all know, we really do need three months of absolutely nothing. No kids, no job, no nothing to recover from that level of burnout. But that's just not a reality. We still have to be mum and, and take care of our kids to get to the other side. And in that, I also, you know, we got the solutions obviously for our children, which made the difference. And then we had to rebuild ourselves as individuals. And then we had to rebuild our relationship. And because I've been a coach for so long, and I was a relationship coach for a long time before I had to take three years off during this period, I knew what we had to do. And I had the tools and the support and whatnot to do that. And I realized through that, that this is why so many couples don't make it through the hardest times and challenges with their kids, because they don't have the skills. They don't have the know-how. They don't have or haven't been doing the, the level of personal development that I've been doing for years to heal my own baggage so that I don't have those level of triggers and reactions that many people do. And knowing that during hell year, I was not my best version of me. I was so depleted. I was not able to consciously stop myself from being snappy, from being unreasonable, from sitting there going, why isn't he connecting with me? But then realizing, well, I'm not connecting with him. Hang on a second. Yeah, you, know, you just don't have that capacity. And if you don't have the skills in the background, then it makes it really difficult to stay on the same page through those periods. So as I finally kind of got to the, you know, did a lot of healing work on myself to recover from all the experiences and stuff that we went through and purposely made a conscious effort to reconnect with my husband to rebuild our relationship. And here we are, you know, at the, I'll say at the, really at the fringes of thriving because we've still got a ways to go and we still have challenges with our children that mean sleep deprivation for periods of time. But we, as a couple, are in a much, much stronger and better place again. So I'm passionate about helping other couples to survive the hard times, but also to learn how to thrive beyond them because our kids and us as special needs parents are the ones that need the stable and happy home the most and the most help. So I want to change that statistic because mm. I can. I've got the experience and I understand how hard it is. Yes, I can only, you know, talk about my experience as a special needs mom. I remember right after diagnosis, the overwhelming feeling that I was a failure, you know, the feeling that, you know, oh my gosh, I did this. I Somehow, yeah. This. And, the, and the, the guilt's number one that comes about when there is that sort of a diagnosis that happens. And then after just the feeling that you have these expectations or you had these expectations of what your children would be like, and then yeah. the dissonance of knowing what the reality may be like, that also is a bit of self-torture that a lot of special needs parents, I think, go through. I know that I went through a whole period of that as well. Yeah. And then never feeling like you're doing it right, never feeling like you're doing enough, never always yeah. feeling like, you know, you're just not cutting it as a parent or as a spouse or as a person yeah. who has, needs to make a living. It's yeah. just everything just starts to really snowball on you and this overwhelming sense of anxiety and anxiousness. And I know I was diagnosed with PTSD myself and, you know, went on medication, which definitely helped, needed to literally quit my job and take time off and, yeah. and do that because that was helpful for me. But yet it still did cause a lot of me trying to figure out what life meant for me going yeah. forward, for sure. Yeah. Is that similar to what your clients are, are coming to? you for? What kind of clients?
clients are coming to you and what are they really most urgently needing when they come? Some of the regular, you know, the common stuff that they come to me with is they're struggling because they're not on the same page, particularly when it comes to how to manage kids' meltdowns and their behaviors and discipline. I know for me, I've got two neurotypical older children. So I've been a parent. I've done this. I know how to do this. And then when these two came along, I'm like, ah, how do I do this? Because the parenting book had to go out the window. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work the same for these two. They have different needs. They don't respond the same way my older two did. So when you've got two parents who are, you know, often there's one in denial around the diagnosis. They just, you know, no, it can't be that. We don't want to, there's a resistance to acceptance of the diagnosis. So they don't get involved. They, which means it's usually the mother that's dealing with you know that's got the diagnosis then got the the load of you know all the doctors learning all you know doing all the research trying to work out how best to help their child and there's a disconnect often mm-hmm. not always with the fathers and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding that happens in between I mean I think like you were saying when the diagnosis comes everybody handles it differently so you felt a lot of guilt and took a lot of the responsibility and that's certainly been a lot of parents do it's not just the mothers I've certainly my husband went through the same thing but his response or outward reaction was quite different so it's understanding that each person is going to have to go through denial grief anger frustration just around the diagnosis in itself mm-hmm. let alone when it comes to how do we manage the kids as they do these behaviors that are you know like my son's got an intellectual disability we can't discipline him in the same way we could discipline our other kids it doesn't work the same so you've got a lot of parents who are utilizing the way they grew up the role models they had in their lives when I asked them 90 probably 95 percent I'm like well, what role models did you grow up with and did they show you how to be a loving caring compassionate parent and also you know what were they like in their relationship more often than not people come from broken homes divorces or parents that stayed together but were extremely unhappy you know, or a super critical or completely absent and all the baggage that gets created for every person in that is you know it's another conversation but most people try to parent based on the way that they grew up either they're exactly the same or they do the exact opposite because of how their parents did it Mm -hmm. and each person's experience of that is going to be different which means each person is coming to their kids with they're not just on a different page they're in different books and they've got a reason like an underlying reason as to why they think they need to discipline in this way or why they think they need to be more lenient or whatever Mm -hmm. most couples are butting heads on the external surface level stuff and not getting deeper into why do you think that why is that most important to you? Because I tell you, the drivers for that need or desire has got a much deeper root in what they grew up with or experienced as being a child of the parents that they have. Mm. So it's never as simple as, well, he just needs to agree with me or she just needs to be stronger. Um, it never is. No, it's way more complicated and it's it's about how, learning how to get on the same page. And that's such a big thing. How do you act as the team? And that's often what I see as one of the deeper level issues in the relationship as a whole but the symptom is we can't agree on whatever the xyz is that is fascinating i know that with my son's father and myself even despite the fact that we drifted apart we were we are no longer together but our parenting was very similar we were always aligned when it came to Beautiful. treatment or any kind of discipline or anything like that when it with respect to children and child raising and making decisions when it came to Beautiful. the son in particular 
particular. However, however, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. also, however, there's all the however. <laughs> I know it's like you become estranged. You know, it's just like in other ways, it's just the relationship is so strained and you become like roommates or it becomes very domestic. And that whole interpersonal relationship becomes much more about transactions and logistics and, you know, the grocery. Yeah, and that's another that's big that. one. It's another big one. And the reality is the load of our special kids is huge. It is too much for one person and it's often too much for two. Mm-hmm. So when you're spread so thin and your load is quite big with your children and their needs, there is a lot less that's available for self-care, which we know is important, but then the spouse, which is often below all of that. <laughs> Let alone, you know, work has got to come in there somewhere because finances, We everybody knows that, you know, having special needs kids, is there's an extra load of financial stuff. So it's the spouse really ends up quite low on the totem pole. And if it's not right at the bottom, it's our self-care that's at the bottom. When you've got nothing to give, you've got nothing to give. <laughs> so it's a big, for me, knowing how hard it was to survive, hell yeah. It's the little things. It's because you, you find you'll stop doing the little things. And they're almost the most important because you're not getting to the big things like sex sex doesn't happen for years at a time when you've got such a high load and so low energy mm-hmm. and that's the realities and there's a grief in accepting that's the case women often are the ones that don't have the desire men wake up horny so that <laughs> uh, i wish i wish i really wish you know get in get get some sexy time and, and get on with the day but that's just not how it works so you've got that you know the big things are not happening you've got to make use of the small things so it's sometimes it's reprioritizing yes our kids have their needs but we have to change the way we think about it in terms of is that absolutely crucial right now because mm-hmm. sometimes the need of the relationship and the need of self is actually more critical and i find a lot of parents in general women specifically are really good at and default to taking care of everybody else, particularly the children, before themselves and their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the relationship fails or falls apart and creates more stress when what you really need is the support and that teammate and that person to lean on. So it is so critical to put a little bit of time and energy into it. It doesn't take much to your partner standing in the kitchen, walk up behind him, give him a hug. Like it takes two seconds. It's It's not hard, although I know in the depths of survival, you're so focused on the next action I have to take because you really don't even have the energy for that. So to think and have any awareness of anything or anyone else outside of that, it just doesn't exist. And I get it. I get it. But it's understanding that when survival mode starts to lift, it's these little things that bring you back together, that put the fuel back in the tank of the relationship that will keep you both going for longer until you get to a more clearer, calm waters and you can really then do the bigger stuff Mm -hmm. and that's the reality for us in our relationships with our special needs kids we can't do things the way we used to we have to get along with a little a lot less often and then when we can it's switching in our head that this is a priority to come back to to rebuild that connection to even just a simple thing hey babe how are you actually doing right now how do you really feel let each other vent you're in this together Mm -hmm. and often what happens is they become islands and there's not even that conversation there's not even that check-in there's not those cuddles it's not those the little things and the little things are so so important when you can't do the big things that's really a, such a good reminder because i know that when i was in the throes of ptsd and you're just overwhelmed and all you can think is this self-absorption of this feeling like you are trapped in your life you're in yep. a prison 
plan of your own making and you there's no way to get out because you have to care for your kids you have to survive you have to put bread on the table all of these things and so you almost feel as though you're holding your breath and you forget that no this isn't really it I have to think about every single moment and if anybody tried to give me advice or say oh take time for you you need to take a bubble bath I would just <laughs> I would just punch I just was like I would, I would be so it would cause me to just well up with anger and rage you know so and then one of the other things that I used to do I would go on Facebook there was a special needs parenting forum and it was a wonderful place for people to vent not a great place mm. to get advice or or things like yeah. that because a lot of individuals have their own situations and will yeah. give advice from their own vantage points and so it became something where you'd have to just you know take things with a bit of a grain of salt but it was good if, if you needed to just vent for a moment <laughs> and that's a lot of that happening because it just and it, it's the double-edged sword it's yeah. great because it's a place where you can vent and you get a lot of people going oh my god yeah I hear you I, yeah I that's the same for me me too which is good on one level but at the same time it often keeps us stuck in that almost the victimhood of that moment it's not easy I honestly it's even as with all the skills and tools and everything that I have at my disposal in the depths and the, the hardest parts of hell year I couldn't even pick those up yeah I wasn't even reaching out to people I was just so like you said self-absorbed and understandably so because in survival mode mm -hmm. it's the only way you can survive mm -hmm. to True. just do the next thing I was lucky enough to have a couple of people in my network who truly understood and would reach out to me and get me on a call and say how are you really doing and then I'd be able to just let it all out mm -hmm. and just have them there to go I hear you I'm listening that mm -hmm. is really hard so a little bit of that validation but then at the end of it going okay how about we take me in the phone let's go for a walk ask Carrie if you can just take 20 minutes to just stop now even the thought of asking my husband who I knew was struggling as much as I was to get 20 minutes mm -hmm. where I could just go lay in the swing outside and have someone talk me through just meditating mm -hmm. and there was a period of time where that was a lifeline yeah yeah that just helped my system to slow down long enough to get a little bit of juice in it where I'd then go in and I'd give him a hug and say thank you so much for giving me that 20 minutes yeah. you're the best and now what can I do for you mm, beautiful yeah there were times where I knew that I'd have to go back to work and so I would get these jobs and I would literally be so exhausted from having no sleep and just emotionally wrought I would just be crying myself all the way to the office yeah put yourself into like that strong, you know, I work in beauty put and that it, mask on. And if you put that mask on, you try to be brave, you try to be strong, and then you fall apart at the at the end yeah. of the day. And that would happen day, day after Today, day today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it became almost like you didn't want to show that you needed help. You didn't want, you were almost embarrassed to ask other or tell other people what were going on because yeah. you wanted to give the impression that you could handle it all because yes. otherwise they might not think that you could do your job. They, you couldn't be depended upon X, Y, Z. It's bad alone if a, a parent is like, oh, I have to go to a PTA meeting or, a, you know, something or a play with the kid. You know, people look at you at, they used to look at you at work like, oh, really? You're going to take time off because you're a parent. At one particular job that I had, there was this joke from the single people that said, you know what, I'm just going to get a fake baby and say, oh, you know what, I have to go home because my fake baby needs me because they felt like other people who had it was unfair. children, it's unfair that they get to leave the office. It's just, I know times have changed, but it was just, yeah, one of those things where it was a competition of who could show face in the office longer. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the hard part is particularly with, you know, being special needs is that people will say, oh yeah, that's hard, but they truly don't understand. 
They yeah. do not understand the load. I don't want to say drain, but the energy it takes mentally just to stay on top of what does my kid need? What is like with mine, they both got dietary challenges and a whole bunch of stuff. I've just come out of another six weeks off work because my son ended up in hospital with pneumonia. Never simple for him. And then I've got so run down because we were dealing with him being sick and then in hospital for a week that I got the same virus he got, which then knocked me flat. And then just as I was coming up, it turned into a chest infection. And then just as I was coming up, another one came again. I'm like, damn, it's just like, it's like the hits keep on coming. And you know, the average parent, you know, that definitely have times like that, but there's a whole other level that a regular parent doesn't experience and can't understand. And like you were saying, it's almost like we don't want to ask for help because we don't want to be seen as weak. But then at the other side of that is it's too much effort to ask for help. It's actually too much effort when you're in the depths of it mm-hmm. to have talk to someone and try and explain things or ask for help. It just feels like it's another load on you. And it's like, it's, yeah. Mm. And most of the times they don't know what to say or do, you know, it's exactly. all, they don't. It's almost a trap. <laughs> It is. It is. And one of the things that really helped me was actually posting about it. Eventually, I really did not spend much time on Facebook during Hell Year. But every so often, I'd just, you know, share the struggles that we were having and say, you know, this is kind of what it's like for us right now. You know, and try to put a, always trying to put a bit of a positive spin on it because that's, you know, what you do. And what that did was actually helped create a bit more of a community around me. People who started to go, oh, I hadn't realized that. I hadn't thought about that. So I'm educating them through sharing without getting them on the phone and going, oh my God, it's the hardest day. I have friends that I can do that with, but I found sharing it on social media and sharing both the struggles and what the realities look like for us physically, mentally, and emotionally is helping to create more of that understanding, particularly as I've got more capacity now to even do that. I couldn't do it in the middle of hell year. And in having a community around me, but also a community both that understand, but also look for the solutions. I'll get people sending me solutions and ideas of things that might be able to help or you know, just suggestions or, hey, how about we just grab a coffee? I'd love to get you out of the house for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been really, really helpful. In middle of hell year, though, there's, when you've got absolutely no capacity socialising, it's too hard, mm. too much energy, too yeah. much peopling, too much to deal with at home. And it's okay. It's okay to have periods like that. Mm-hmm. But when it stops, the hard part is you get in a survival pattern and it's the pattern that has to change. Otherwise, the relationship and your life get stuck in a survival pattern, even if it doesn't have to be in survival mode. Yeah. One big lesson that I had to learn was boundaries, even when it came to my own family, because I happen to have a son who is very chronically ill. He is non-mobile, non-verbal, lives on a life support. He's on a ventilator 24-7, and he's in and out of the hospital all the time. And I think that my family, certain family members had a very hard time understanding, and it would tell me in so many words why I'm keeping him going. And that was an extremely difficult thing here because you know I it's like how can you ever tell somebody what they should be doing with their child especially when it comes to that subject and so I understood where their compassion lied and you know where their heart truly was but the indication that I was being inhumane Mm. in what I in what my choices were was a really tough thing for me and so I had to choose to limit my (laughs) and my son's exposure yeah to certain family members because it was 
was a very painful period of time when we yeah. had through those kinds of discussions. I, I can only imagine. You know. wow. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, boundaries are huge. There were definitely people that I kind of just stepped away from. I didn't mm-hmm. even say anything. It was just like, yeah, like you said, I get their hearts in the right place, but that's actually not helpful for me right now. And choosing to, to only focus on what is helpful and what is supportive. And it's okay to cut ties, to create boundaries, to say, no, we're, we're not doing that, to communicate. These are the topics of conversation that we are off limits because I don't have the capacity. In fact, even boundaries around our self-care. Mm-hmm. And we, we sort of touched on this before when people say, oh, you should do more self-care. Have you lived my life? Do you <laughs> have my load? Like you tell me where I can fit in some self-care. I actually had to redefine what self-care looked like. Mm-hmm. I don't really admit this very often, but in the middle of hell year, I would go months without having a shower. Yeah, That's how bad it got because I would get up and get dressed in the middle of the night to go drive my son. And then I'd be on two coffees. So there's no way I was going to get back into bed and go back to sleep. Yeah. But then I'd get home at dawn after the sun rose. I actually made a point to go and watch the sunrise at the beach. My boy would fall asleep in the car and I'd be caffeinated. So I'm like, you know what? I need this. And it just roll on day after day after day. And it'd be a point where it's like, oh yeah, I'll have a shower tomorrow. Okay, maybe tomorrow. Oh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. And that became the level of self-care was really, really low. So as I started to get back into life again, one of the things I started to do was like, okay, self-care is having a shower. Even once a week is a good improvement over a few months. Mm-hmm. Self-care is washing my face and putting moisturizer on. <sighs> self-care is, you know what, I've got 30 seconds while I'm sitting in the car before I have to go in and get my child out of school. I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to breathe. Yeah. Like I was saying, it's the little things, mm-hmm. the littlest things where you can give to yourself, where you can take care of yourself, where you can sit down and have a coffee and just close your eyes and feel the sun on your face. Mm-hmm. That is self-care. You're absolutely right. And speaking of self-care and some other solutions, I know that you say that you've got this Mary Poppins bag of tricks. You've got so many wonderful, diverse certifications from life coaching to NLP to Reiki and um, all sorts of things. Can you talk to us about how you are able to tap into these various modalities of your expertise in order to help your clients? Yeah, when I'm doing one-on-one work or one-on-two, so I work with a couple, but I often do a lot of individual work with the couple because it's it's actually, yeah, here's skills on how to communicate, but let's get to the deeper level as to why you constantly get triggered by feeling abandoned or you're angry or whatever the emotion is that's coming out. So I do a mixture of stuff. I use my intuition a lot of the time and my obviously I've you know, been doing this for quite a while so I can hear what someone's saying, but I can actually read between the lines and feel a lot deeper into what's really going on. I utilize a lot of, it's a mixture of NLP with hypnosis with a bit of shadow work, a bit of journey work, a bit of intuition, a bit of guided stuff where I actually take them right into that deeper level and and have them get awareness around what's really going on. But often there's a lot of forgiveness work that has to happen. Forgiveness of parents, forgiveness of authority figures, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of God and the universe. Believe me, where there is anger and frustration and all kinds of grief there. So it's doing often a lot of the inner healing, guiding them through into that space where their pain is still present and allowing allowing and facilitating that pain to come through in a way that's healing and not destructive to themselves and other people. Mm. And sometimes in that process, there's energy stuff that I do as, as a support. Sometimes it's a, a process, like a there's a process, an NLP process called a phobia scramble. But the beautiful thing about that is it's really good for helping to take some of the emotion out of the event that they're stuck on mm. so they can get 
rational understanding and perspective on what happened and mm-hmm. then they can heal and create you know the healing from that so it, it depending on what's needed i pull up whatever tool i've got i use sometimes multiple things at the same time even though they don't know that i'm doing it because healing what's happening in the subconscious is not a black and white scenario people are not black and white relationships are not black and white it is so diverse there's more than 50 shades of gray there's like thousands of them (laughs) so it's i pull all of that together and at the moment i'm because i'm a special needs parent myself i have limited amount of time and the best way that i find i can help people right now is to put them through with a group program in my group program i focus on three things communication skills because most people didn't grow up learning them they're (laughs) using defaults that they learn from people around them who were probably not so great at it the second one is relating skills you don't think about that but how do you act as a team how do you understand your partner how do you give and receive in the relationship a lot of women are not so great at receiving how do you balance how do you operate in the the relationship with the financial load and the kids and how do you you know all of get that understanding Mm -hmm. and then the last part is all about developing emotional maturity Mm -hmm. because I guarantee you when you start to get into those fights and arguments the immature conflict behaviors come out and I know them all because I've done them (laughs) and there are still times I slam doors so you know I'm not perfect (laughs) and when you are so depleted and so tired and whatnot you are not your best version of yourself so I help you to get awareness around what your own stuff is that is impacting the relationship and your ability to connect and be in harmony with each other and we do that level of work I give you tools I give you processes and questions to get that self-awareness but also to have mapped out what I call the peace process so when you start to see that your discussion is starting to blow up and go into all kinds of destructive zones I teach couples to go right what someone needs to call a timeout or a stop or a pause and then each individual goes and runs the peace process and part of the peace process is getting an understanding as to what's really happening here what is my stuff that's been triggered in this and I've give them templates to be able to communicate that with their partner when they come back to it in a way that is low trigger which means it's not going to trigger high defense and reactiveness from your partner Mm. so that's why it's called the peace process so I give tools that help people while they're still working on their stuff to move through these upsets and conflicts but in a way that becomes bonding rather than damaging. I think that those are such powerful tools that anybody can use but particularly because you are focusing on parents of special needs children it's phenomenally targeted it's specific and it could be tailored just for the people who need it. Now you are located in Brisbane Australia do you accept international clients? I work with people all over the world. That's why I love having an online business because I do everything from home. But yes, absolutely. And I, I really do love working more with my US clients because of our time zone difference. That works for me. It means that I can do work in their evenings when you know, once the kids go down, but I can be working in my day while the kids are at school. So absolutely. I, like I said, work with everybody all over the world and online. So the training aspect is done at your own self-paced and the masterclasses. Do that and then join in on the Q&A calls where you can say, hey, this 
is the scenario with our relationship and get some direct support and access to to change that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rach Wilson. Divine Relating is the name of the website. Look her up. This could be a lifeline to you really being able to manage and cope not only with a better relationship with your children, but especially with your spouse mm -hmm. or with your significant other, whoever that might be in your life. Or even if you're single, if you're looking for somebody to relate to, I think that this is something that you deserve to do for you. It's not like you are going out of your way and thinking about, you know, only about yourself. This is really for you to be able to shine in your entire family. It's for your children as well. It's for everybody that is around you and it's for your benefit. And so I do highly encourage if you think that this episode spoke to you, take a look at what Rach Wilson is doing because it could be a lifesaver for you. Rach, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure and joy to meet you and to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And it's great to get an opportunity to share this information, to connect with people who I might be able to make the biggest difference for. Because for me, it's, you know, thriving love means thriving us, means thriving family. Amen to that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.